This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by SDN Sports from Station Casinos. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goats, joined by my colleagues, David Shane and Adam Hill, who did a great job uh, covering for me when I was sick for last week's edition. But I am back, baby. I'm very excited to discuss hockey. We got a lot to get to. But before we talk about the Golden Knights' recent string of games against good teams, uh, we want to remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by SDN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Uh, We thank them for their sponsorship. Uh, I thank you guys for filling in for me. Uh, Adam and Dave, how you feeling? First of all, there's there's a lot less energy when you weren't here. I feel like I mean I, I think it was a good discussion. I think we did fine, but just not the peppiness and the energy. Not enough uh, exclamation marks in our conversation for sure. And uh, it's good to have you back. You are the straw that stirs the drink, Ben. Without a doubt. Oh, that's I mean that's a stretch. I just try to try to be a. We don't use straws. That's true. Well, uh, you know, I have been told I'm a tall drink of water multiple times, so I feel like. This analogy works. Uh, we should mention, you know, as I'm trying to bring energy here, I'm trying to bring energy because it's 11 p.m. on a Tuesday night as we sit here at T-Mobile Arena where the Golden Knights just lost 4-3 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I feel like someone has to pep up uh, what is normally a very sleepy time for me. Uh, Are you an early early to bed guy? I'm relatively like my dog likes to go to bed at a reasonable time. So I have to be like in bed at a reasonable time. I don't necessarily like fall asleep. But the routine starts, you know, I would say like 10, 30, 11. So I'm used to having a 25 pound animal passed out in my near vicinity at this point of my night. Why, why are you such an old man? You're like 25. Yeah, I'm 25 going on 50, which uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am, though. You know, this is just who I tr- try to be. Uh, we'll see if the Golden Knights are comfortable with... Uh, who they are, because, of course, uh, they got poked a little bit and uh, there was some poking back this week because they played three really good teams this week. Three teams that are all in playoff position since we last recorded this podcast. They beat the Philadelphia Flyers 5-4. to They did not hang on to win, but it was a close win. Then, of course, they overcome a three-goal deficit for the first time in franchise history, defeat the St. Louis Blues 5-4 in overtime on Saturday, and then as we're recording this, they just lost 4-3 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was another 3-0 deficit. This one they could not overcome, and they lost. So the all-important question kind of now is, uh, as the Golden Knights sit here, they are 
uh, technically in second place in the Pacific Division because the Arizona Coyotes have a tiebreaker over them right now. They have the same number of points. But the Golden Knights have kind of, for a lot of the season, been, I believe, to use your phrase, Dave, flat track bullies, where the Pacific Division, to be quite frank, isn't quite good this year. The Golden Knights have built up a lot of points again over a lot of bad teams. This week they were tested, and they seem to do okay. So are the Knights good against good teams based on this week's kind of sample size? I, I knew we were going to have to talk about this, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Can't avoid it. So, so my answer to this is that they are better against good teams now than certainly they were early on. And, and just to kind of revisit everything with Jared Gallant and all that and, and, and kind of the context of the infamous question and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, let's go back and look at like some of the wins from early on in the season against teams that were above them in the standings because they were few and far between. Like you've got Toronto which came right before they fired Mike Babcock. With Flurry's incredible save to right. keep the Knights ahead. You've got the game at Pittsburgh. Obviously, Flurry kind of stole that one. Even Paul Stasny kind of talked about that tonight, how it was kind of a flip, the, you know, in terms of the script, uh, you know, from tonight's game versus that game. You know, there's a couple, I mean, if you just go through the record, like, you know, early in the season, they weren't beating good teams. They got blown out twice by Colorado. But yeah, they lost to Boston. Right, they deserve credit for for their play this week and for beating Philadelphia, which at the time was in the playoff in a playoff position, was playing well, was above them in the in the overall standings. Obviously, St. Louis leading the Western Conference, you know, huge historic win like we talked about. And, you know, even against Pittsburgh, you know, 40 minutes or so was pretty good. You know, when you kind of look at it as a whole, I mean, they didn't play poorly or anything like that. So certainly I think their performance against good teams lately is kind of in line with just their play in general, because the fact remains since November 27th, since they made this the scheme switch and tweak. tweak the tweak and all that sort of stuff, they've played better against everybody. Good, bad in the middle kind of doesn't matter. They've they've clearly kind of just turned the corner. I guess you could say as a team in general. I feel it's also a good time to look at just to evaluate them because I think we've all been watching the games and saying this team is playing better. But now you've got a stretch of games against really good teams to say, okay, how much better are they playing? How well are they playing? I think it's a good time to kind of to measure where they are. Um, and and right now it seems like yes, they're playing. They are playing better. You can just see that they're playing better. But at the same time. Back-to-back games now, they've fallen behind 3 nothing, And it wasn't necessarily uh, that they played poorly. It was a couple – like in, in tonight's game, and again, you said this is Tuesday night. They just got finished playing uh, Pittsburgh, and they fall behind 3 nothing. They, I think overall, you would look at the game and say the Golden Knights were probably the better team out there, but you, you can't make mistakes. They can't – you can't have the mistakes that you do make turn into goals. And when you're playing good teams, it's harder to overcome those things. And I think they're learning those lessons. So in the end, when the season is over and 82 games have been played, you're going to look back. It, it really doesn't matter except for how many points you have. That's that's really all that's going to matter. But you are going to go to the playoffs. You are going to want to know how you measure up against some of those better teams. You're going to have to find out at that point. And, you know, you kind of measure yourself against those good teams. Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the whole measuring stick kind of analogy that they always use, I think, is is kind of what's relevant here and pertinent and and was part of the whole question and, and, and things like that because, you, you know, I mean, it's one thing to beat the teams you're supposed to beat 
and and good on the Knights and other teams and you know whatever for especially for the Knights to get back into kind of the race and things you know they beat the teams they had to beat that's what you have to do but like Adam said you know you always measure yourself against the best teams you kind of want to see how you stack up and pretty much up until that point you know that was something that the Knights hadn't really I guess measured up and lately like we've like we've just kind of talked about not to belabor the point but as they've improved their game and and everything as a as a whole in the last month and a half we've seen the results you know against the good teams they beat Arizona they beat St. Louis they beat Philadelphia you know kind of you can start to I guess maybe let's say criticize David Shane for asking the question because you know at least lately you know they they have been been better against the good teams at least until you know tonight against Pittsburgh where I think that was also the point of the question and we're we're kind of referencing it without saying it of course Gerard Lamb walked out of a press conference the other day after you asked a question about this very incredible topic. moment incredible it was a great I thought the slamming of the door was better than the actual walkout the walkout was good too yeah, so I have to say just real quick I didn't see the door oh you so, didn't I know until the next day oh it's fantastic. I saw the video and I saw the door and it was kind of like whoo. Whoa. That was great. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I heard that he yelled something as he walked out the door, yeah. too. Um, and I'm sure people that are listening to this are, are aware of it. And if you follow the Knights closely, you probably know. Um, but yeah, I, I think totally fair question, of course, without going and without getting too much into it, because there's been a lot of discussion behind the scenes about it this week, obviously. Uh, I'll also say he wasn't mad at you and he wasn't mad at your question. And we can kind of just leave that out there. That's not what he was upset about. So anybody that's out there and, and your nonsense on Twitter that I've read, uh, look a little deeper into it about exactly what was going on there and 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 try to figure out, watch the entire clip. Maybe that will help you kind of get some more context of what was going on. But in the end, completely fair question. And I think even Gerard Gallant would say probably an overreaction to what was actually a positive question about, hey, you guys show that you can beat good teams. That's actually a positive question. Not a negative question like a lot of people try to frame it. Either way. Yeah, and they're I mean they're proving a lot with this current homestand. This was game five of a seven game homestand. I mean, so they're kind of letting their play answer that question right now. Like I say, you could certainly poke holes in some of it, even too, when we're talking about falling behind three nothing to the St. Louis Blues and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But ultimately they came back and they beat the Blues. I mean, a team that also, I mean, really pushed them around when they were in St. Louis uh, just last month. The Knights had two really good periods against the Blues, but the Blues kind of had a championship level uh, second period in that game. Take control. This time the Blues come out swinging in the first period, and it's the Knights who you know absorb the body blow, get up off the mat, and respond. And so I think that was really important for the team to show that it had that kind of fortitude. And they almost had that once again tonight, but uh, this time a three nothing deficit was you know too much for them to overcome, as it is most nights with most teams. Probably not a good habit to get into if you're the Knights. But like I said, I think that fortitude is something that's impressing, you know, in this homestand, too, because they've had to do it in different ways. They've had to hold a lead against the Flyers. When nah, don't say hold on. Uh, hold on. Defend a lead exactly. late against the Philadelphia Flyers when everything was going against them. They were uh, outmanned six to three in terms of skaters. At one point late that game, they have to hold on against the Blues. It's the opposite. They're chasing the game and they have to figure out a way to do it. They're figuring out how to win and how to play against good teams in different ways. And all those experiences, I think, are helping this become a more confident team at this point of the season. Right. And I guess I would kind of point out that that's maybe where they were stumbling early on. 
Max Pacioretty talked a lot about, you know, finding that killer instinct and, and things like that. I, th I think that's kind of what you're, you know, referring to that, that that's where the Knights were not getting the job done. They're getting those things handled more. They're, you know, they're holding on to leads. They're, they're showing that resolve, like you said, even though it fell short tonight. But those are the things they weren't doing in the first, you know, month, month and a half or so of, of the season that, you know, kind of went this with this turnaround, I guess you could say you know, is all happening right now. It's all, it's all kind of part of it. I mean, everything kind of works together. You know, you play better, you play well, you know, all those sorts of things start to happen. You find that killer instinct, you find ways to win, find ways to, you know, find a point out of a game. You're not playing well, find two out of a game. You're not necessarily playing well, you know, things like that. They've done that much more in the last month and a half. And I think that's, you know, probably the main reason and the thing that you can attribute most to, you know, their turnaround and why they're, like you said, at least tied on points for, for you know, the Pacific Division lead right now. Yeah, I think you got to give them credit for finding ways to do that because they've had all sorts of lineup changes the last couple days. You know, left-wing Jonathan Marcheseau has missed three straight games with a lower body injury. Cody Eakin, who, of course, has been out since uh, the end of November, returned tonight for the first time since sustaining an upper body injury that caused some lineup shifting. Tomas Nosek was briefly out for the birth of his son, Patrick. Congrats to the Nosek family. They've had to deal with kind of a lot of stuff kind of going around them, too, and they've still found a way to kind of be consistent through it. I mean, they had John Merrill playing forward at one point this last week, which we have not even talked about yet. That would be like an A topic for so many podcasts, but so much has happened this it's week. A goal per game forward. It's a goal per game forward who then they uh, benched against the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. And I was going to make so many jokes if they had lost that game about how benching their star forward was going to cost them. Um, ultimately, it didn't. But that's kind of how, I guess, you know, in scramble mode, they've been at points this week where they were playing John Merrill Ed Ford, of course, they call up Nicholas Waugh from the AHL. But they've been consistent enough kind of throughout their game and their style of play that it hasn't really mattered. I mean, it seems, like I said, that they're playing with a lot more confidence and just with a lot more of an identity than they had early on in the year because that was something they clearly did not have throughout October and I would say most of November. They were still kind of searching for, oh, how do we win this year? We know we won a certain way last year. We know we won in a, a different way in our first season, but we haven't figured out what this team kind of is all about yet. And I think they're starting to discover that. And, and it's going to take time as well. I mean, I think they're showing they can win different ways, which is always a positive. When you get in the playoff, you want to be able to win a lot of different ways. And I think you're starting to see that out of this team. They, they, they show they can cover behind. They showed they can be a dominant team like uh, we've seen in the past here in this building. They've showed that they can show you know resolve and win on the road. They show they can win with Subban and that quite frequently, uh, in fact, this season. So they're showing they can win all kinds of different ways. And I think that's effective. But you talk about all the, all the lineup shifting and the changes and guys moving around. You know, Cody Glass looks like he will be out for a while. We don't really know how long. The Marshall thing, I think, is interesting because we've we've kind of discussed it off the air, but he's missed three games. He's practiced a little here and there in between. It looked like he was trending toward coming back. But I, I don't know that this is an injury that has just happened the last couple of days. It seems like there's been, you know, th there's been issues, I, I think, at times throughout the year. We've seen less of a workload for him sometimes at practice. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a huge concern because, like I said, we've seen him out there the last couple of days. But it definitely appears to be something that they're trying to kind of manage throughout the season here. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, he's a guy who kind of has taken some maintenance days for throughout the year. And so we're just speculating. Like we obviously don't know if they're connected at all. But, I mean, it, he certainly seemed to be fine at morning skate today. I mean, he was calling guys out. He called Shea Theodore out for not hustling on a two-on-one drill, which was just incredible because uh, Shea Theodore very much looked like a guy that was like, yeah, I showed up to morning skate because I felt like I had to. And now you're yelling at me for not going hard in the drill. So he's still, uh, you know, providing uh, his uh, big motor mouth uh, just to the team on the ice, just not in games right now. I think we, we've also seen with all those changes in the lineups, one thing we have seen is whoever plays along with Patretti and Stone is going to be pretty good. That is a constant. Uh, Paul Stasny was back with them today. They certainly picked up where they left off. Uh, Chandler Stevenson has, of course, been really good for them lately. It's overall, like I said, most combinations seem to be working for the Knights right now. They're you know, kind of tinkering with the first line a little bit with Jonathan Marshall out, but certainly the rest of the lineup seems to have found a little bit of an identity too, which is why they are playing pretty well against good teams right now. I think the answer ultimately to the question is they are playing better against good teams because they're playing better against everybody right now. I think it was a good question, Dave. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is... Uh, yeah, that was a really full circle right there, but... Thank you. I tried. That's impressive. I do my best. Uh, next, we're going to talk about uh, another uh, fun event coming up. The All-Star Game is at the end of this month. I believe it's in January 25th in St. Louis. The Golden Knights, as of right now, have one representative, and he will not actually be on the ice. That is Coach Gerard Gallant, who, of course, was given the honor after the Knights win over the Philadelphia Flyers that put them in first place in the Pacific division via points percentage at that point in the season, the halfway point, which made him the coach of the Pacific division team for the second time in three years. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was named to the all-star game. He has since withdrawn. He is the only second player to withdraw from the all-star game along with Washington capital star, Alex Ovechkin Fleury, of course, uh, has had a big workload kind of again this year. He made his fifth straight start tonight. He, of course, dealt with the death of his father, Andre Fleury, in November. Obviously, a really tough time for him and his family, so you can certainly understand why he might just need some time away when the All-Star game and kind of the All-Star break occur. Uh, but I ask you, gentlemen, who is more unhappy about this setup? Uh, Jar Glant, because he probably wants to see his grandkids, or Marc-Andre Fleury, because I think he knows that it's in his best interest to not go to the game and kind of get a mental break. But the dude cares so much about his fans and kind of putting on a good public face for the Knights and just kind of the NHL in general that I'm sure it's a part of him's hurting inside that he's not going to go to the game. Well, I think you can tell just by him making his decision and, you know, just by him making that decision, I think it was very tough for him. But I think it also tells you what he has been through this year, like how difficult this process has been and how, it, it seems to have somewhat affected his play at times. I mean, I think uh, anybody would be understandably kind of, you know, distracted uh, when you're going through things like this and, and dealing with uh, family issues like this. And I think it will be a good mental break for him. And I think it was it was probably a very difficult decision. The Gallant side of things, I, I think I think he gets it because one of the things I, I thought really stood out when he talked about it the other day was that he didn't go as a player. And I think that, you know, this this kind of you know, it says like it's validation of what he's done in his career. But logistically, I think it really sucks for him. And and for those that kind of look at the schedule and look ahead, they're on this road trip before and after the All-Star game. 
but they're they play in Boston the final game before the break. It's such an easy little trip to go home up to Prince Edward Island. And now he's going to have to go to St. Louis first and then back, which really puts a, a, you know, makes it a much more difficult trip and gives him a lot less time to spend with his family. So I think there's definitely, con- you know, conflicted feelings on both sides for them. But man, that really, really, I think you had that circle of, man, that's a nice little easy trip up, up the East Coast. And now it's going to be cut into by this all-star game. I'm going to go like even a step a little further here. And I don't want to like totally sell out Gerard Gallant, but I I honestly don't think he was super thrilled, I guess, you know, like we asked him about it and, and he was asked about it twice and he was very diplomatic and, and obviously is, is honored to represent the Golden Knights and the organization. Said all the right things. Yes. But I think if you really got him, you know, away from the microphones and the cameras and said, how do you feel about the all-star game? He would probably say, I'd rather be back with my grandkids. You know, I, I don't think it was the highest priority for him. I guess you could say again, like I said, he, he's very happy to go and, and all of that. But I think if he had his druthers, he would be back on, on the Island with his grandkids. I think, you know, Flurry, I think obviously it was a choice and, and I think, you know, all things being equal, Flower would have gone. But I think, you know, just kind of knowing his workload this year, what he's been through the last month and a half. Um, I mean, I'm not going to try to put myself in his shoes, but I mean, I, you know, I, I know what it was like, you know, to lose a parent, grandparents, things like that. I know how hard it was. I can only imagine, you know, how hard it is for him. And And he talked about the holiday break, the three day break and just how good it was for him. He came back from that kind of felt refreshed and, and things. And I feel like Marc-Andre Fleury was really kind of pointing to that all-star break and that bye week as, okay, if I can get to this point, I know I'm going to have a week to just catch my breath, step away, be with my family, decompress for a little bit and things like that. I think that was just, it, it's something that he was circling on the calendar you know, that, that, okay, let's just kind of get to this point and then, and then we'll go from there. So it doesn't totally surprise me that once he probably worked out whatever he had to work out, probably behind the scenes and things with the league and however those types of things work, you know, that he was able to step away from it. Cause I just, I just feel like he, he was probably looking at that as, you know, I need some time. Uh, I've been through a lot. I, I need a little bit here. And I think people completely understand that. And, and let's also point out, you know, Max Pacioretty hasn't been out there campaigning to win this vote either. Yeah, so we should point out Max Pacioretty, each team gets a uh, last men in candidate, which is the NHL.com does a vote of one uh, player per team is represented and whoever receives the most votes in their respective division also gets added to the All-Star Game roster. So Max Pacioretty is the Golden Knights representative. And yes, as uh, Adam said, he is also a guy who is kind of publicly said all the right things of like, Hey, and even for me, like he hasn't gone, like obviously like Marc-Andre Fleury, you understand he's gone four times before this. He's put in his time at the all-star game. You obviously understand him prioritizing maybe kind of his mental space and just being with his family over this jar Gallant. This is his third time being a coach at the all-star game. Cause he also was the coach of the Atlantic division when he was with the Florida Panthers. You understand him maybe be like the third time around being like, at this point, like I'll go cause it's an honor and I want to represent my organization, but you totally understand in the back of his head, if he's thinking like, 
but I also love my grandkids and, you know, had activities planned. And the, and the Pacific Division roster is not exactly uh, a powerhouse. Jordan has like, one defenseman right now yes. to work with. So he, uh, once he actually sits down to do some game planning, he's going to have some headaches. So it could literally be like he goes to St. Louis just to coach for like 10 to 15 minutes maybe, and they could potentially get beaten and he's, he's done. So from that standpoint of you put in a whole weekend and maybe it's 10 minutes worth of actual coaching. Yeah. But that's all to say, but Max Pacioretty doesn't have those kind of same experiences. Uh, he's obviously having an outstanding season for the golden Knights right now. Uh, 44 points, 19 goals, 25 assists in 46 games. He has never been to an all-star game despite having a, you know, obviously a decorated career where he's been an Olympian. He's been the captain of one of the great franchises in the NHL. And even he, like I said, you get the sense that if you gave him truth serum, Max Pacioretty would probably say like, uh, I've got four sons who I would love to spend time with and a wife who I probably don't see as often as I want to during the season. And I would kind of like that to be my priority, but it's kind of out of his hands now. And I'm sure that there is Golden Knights fans that are just hating this conversation right now. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, you know, on Twitter and, hey, get out the vote, go vote for him. And I think along the same line, with everything we're saying, I think ultimately he would say, I'd much rather have the time off. But at the same time, he, as you said, he hasn't been. If he were to win that vote, I, I think it does, it is a way to get in to say like, hey, the fans really, really want this. Like, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm going to accept this and go and appreciate it. And I'm sure at the end of his career, somebody'd look back on and say, yeah, that was a very cool experience. I'm really appreciative for the fans to do that. But I think you're right at the same time. It's like, hey, it's a long season. I got 10 days off to spend with my kids. I don't want to spend three of them in St. Louis. Which you totally get uh, for a lot of these guys. And I think, I mean, Pat already did point out, like, there's times he thought he might make an all-star game. He deserves when he was it. Younger. I should also say that. Oh, um, no. I mean, he has had an absolutely phenomenal season. I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't actually there. I mean, he just kind of straight up. But uh, for those of you who don't know, every team needs at least one all-star game representative so the actual like when you sit down to actually like draw up the teams it's a lot more complicated than just who's necessarily deserving there's a lot of machinations that go on to make the rosters work and even then as we just pointed out sometimes we have a roster with only one defenseman so mark giordano is going to be playing a right every shift for sure you can't have drew dowdy and matthew kachuk on the same uh all-star team. Seem like that would be another that great work. headache for Jar Glenn yeah. to kind of figure out. So just because we're on the topic, I, I want to bring up one quick thing. So obviously Marc-Andre Fleury by stepping out of the all-star game is given a one game suspension. That's kind of just what comes along with it from the league. So he can do that on the front end of, I guess, the all-star break or the back end. It's kind of interesting though, because the second to last game on this kind of upcoming road trip before the all-star break is in Montreal. And then they finish in Boston. So kind of in theory, he could maybe play in Montreal and then take that Boston game as the suspension. And he can just stay in Montreal if he was going to plan to do that. Maybe, you know, it kind of tax on an extra day or two for, for Marc-Andre Fleury with his family and things like that up there. It'll be kind of interesting. I bring it, I, I just think it'll be interesting to see kind of how they handle it in terms of whether they want, him on the front end of that and whether it works out best for him there or if they would want him maybe, you know, that first game afterward to give to, uh, to Malcolm Subban. I mean, whatever it's worth last year, Maxim Lagasse got the first game after the all-star break in, uh, in Carolina. 
they gave uh, Flurry just an extra, you know, an extra day for for being at the All Star Game and things like that. So it's just kind of one little thing to you know watch over the next couple of weeks and you know how they sort of handle that and, and which game it affects. Yeah, definitely an interesting decision for the Knights and Mark Andre Flurry coming up there. Like I said, you certainly understand his decision uh, previously to skip the All Star Game and accept this one game suspension because, of course, kind of. His, like I said, mental space and, you know, being with his family is certainly very important right now. Well, also important to the Knights in general right now is uh, finishing off this seven game homestand strong. They have two games left and then they do not have another home game until February 8th. As Dave uh, kind of alluded to, they have a four game road trip once their homestand concludes on Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Then the all-star break slash the bye week and then a four-game road trip right after that. So a lot of time away from T-Mobile Arena coming up here for the Knights. They've done very well in this homestand. They are 4 and one so far. They're one loss coming tonight to the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the Coyotes have also done very well recently. They've won four straight. They are now technically the leaders in the division because they have the same number of points as the Knights, but they have played one fewer games. So how much of priority is it, do we think, gentlemen, for the Knights to win these next two games and continue to build that cushion in the Pacific division, or at least whatever cushion they can build in the Pacific division, knowing that they're going to be up against it with eight straight road games after this. And it's going to be probably a little bit tougher sled. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we, we said earlier, what matters at the end of the year is just how many points. It doesn't matter when they came or how they came or anything else. But I know as much as you always talk about playing just the next game in front of you, just it's about winning the next game. It's about getting there. Everyone is aware of what is on the horizon. Everyone knows that they've got eight games on the road and that is sandwiched around a long break, an all-star game. Uh, A lot of guys in the room have talked about getting back that dominance at home, getting back to just not letting teams come in here and thinking they have any chance to win. And I think that's part of part of the importance of these next two games as well. It's not just building up some points before all that time off and that road trip. It's also they want to establish that you're not going to come into this building. And I say this building, we're in the year right now, T-Mobile. You're not going to come in here and, and win or or even think you have a chance to win. And and they've kind of, they got away from that a little bit at the beginning of the season. Teams were coming in here and getting victories. Uh, the beginning of this road trip, they were kind of getting – or this homestand, they were getting back into that just shutting teams down. And I think they want to establish that again. I think that's part of uh, the importance here of these next couple of games. You know, you start off a, a seven-game homestand with four straight wins – you're not thinking, hey, we've already got half of these wins. You're thinking, try to get seven wins. Now it's try to get six wins. And so I think it's it's really important from that from that standpoint to get the wins. And in the grand scheme of things, no. But I think there is micro reasons that uh, these next two games are pretty important. Yeah, Ben, they're 4-1 on the homestand. Why you got to be so negative? It's my fault. Got so many negative, bringing so many negative questions to this positive podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to answer the question, though, I mean, is it enough? I mean, yeah. I mean, sure, you want to win them all, but you can't. And I think I think it's they've they've kept pace with the Coyotes at the right time. You know, like uh, they haven't lost ground. Yeah. You when you're, you know what? I think it was like seven of their last eight home games before tonight. They had won. It's, you know, 11, four and three, you know, whatever the numbers are and all that sort of stuff. Like you play that well, you you kind of think, okay, maybe we're going to create a cushion or we're going to, you know, gain ground, you know, whatever it might be. And they haven't really done that. They haven't separated themselves kind of from the pack other than when you kind of, I guess, look at it, maybe them and the Coyotes have both started to. I mean, it's not just about 
the Knights right now, I mean, if you kind of look at Edmonton, I mean, they've won two in a row, but they were kind of fading a little bit, um, maybe kind of turned into the skid and, and got it straightened out. But, you know, Calgary seems to be coming on a little bit. Vancouver was really hot. It was like seven in a row before they lost. So, I mean, it, it's kind of the division. I mean, everybody kind of got hot at the same time. And if you're the Knights, you're probably sitting there going, dang it, you know, like we put this run together, like, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to create a little space and they weren't able to do it, but you know, that's all kind of part of it. I think it's more a matter of just, you know, continuing to play well and, and continuing to establish their game. Like we've talked about just their identity, you know, kind of understanding what they need to do to win games. And, and obviously they've shown they can do it a couple different ways. They can play a heavy style, you know, they can go up and down a little bit if they have to, which, you know, come playoff time that, that sort of versatility, I guess, or, or the ability to win different types of games, you know, is, is going to serve them well as far as the home stuff. Yeah. I mean, they weren't very good early. I think it was like 14, seven and three, I think going into tonight, I think was the record, which looks a lot, a lot better. So, I mean, everything, you know, in this stretch, not perfect, you know, of course you'd like to win all five, but but certainly I think four and one is something that, you know, they have to feel good about. Yeah, and it's something for them to build off of as they kind of close out this homestand. They've got a game Thursday against the Los Angeles Kings. And as I mentioned before, they close out this season long seven game homestand was actually is tied for the longest homestand in franchise history Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We will be there. We'll bring all your Golden Knights coverage to reviewjournal.com. So make sure to check out all our fine work there. Dave wrote a great game story from tonight's game. Ed Graney wrote a great column on Marc-Andre Fleury and kind of his legacy in Pittsburgh. And then also, of course, dealing with uh, the death of his father, because that's obviously been an emotional, emotional weight that Fleury is carrying right now, as it would be for any athlete or just person who goes through something like that. Before we sign off, I want to remind you that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by STN Sports Mobile from Stations Casinos. We want to thank you guys all for listening so, so much. We try to hit you up with a new Golden Edge podcast every week. We got you a bonus episode this past week with Golden Knights prospect Jack Dugan, who was at the Fortress Invitational, the college tournament. We have a bonus episode coming up this week as well that should drop on Friday with a special guest, uh, a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. You're going to want to make sure to check your podcast feed for that on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much. I'm Ben Goats, joined here by Adam Hill and Dave Shane. We'll talk to you again real soon. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.